China cam four thousand. Yeah. Mm. Whenever it does go, whenever there's snow here, or just anything, hurricane, snow, any kind of inclement weather, um, half of Charlotte will just have an absolute meltdown. We usually do our grocery shopping on a Friday, like night, when like the missus comes home from work. We'll like go out, so then we don't have to do anything on the weekend. Like Big we Friday have, like, night, yeah, I get it, yeah, 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 because we're proper party goers. So like, yeah, yeah. we've got the weekend free then, so we go out Friday night, do it. Uh, and we did it Thursday instead because we had stuff to do Friday. And you would honestly think there was a hurricane coming. Or like, oh, like the end empty of the shelves. Empty shelves and we like we had to like go you know I've got to drive up and down like several like lanes of the car park to get a spot. Like I've I don't think I've ever had to do that to get in <laughs> to the supermarket ever. Well there's a combination of I feel like where you live acts very southern in these types of situations like when it rains in atlanta just all the cars go off the road so what the fuck is wrong with you and, but and then you've also got the fact that all the, the stores at the moment even at, even here like just don't have enough stuff yeah. um yeah it's pretty bad it's pretty bad yeah it's not ideal uh it's not ideal but we live and we learn um like stronger yep yep I love it, so I'm here for it. Uh, yeah, episode 159. Um, we're recording Sunday, so we've had plenty of time to take in uh, the weekend's results as well as the Albion themselves. Um, first of all, let's talk about the breaking news today. We will get, obviously, onto the main event uh, of the Albion game itself. But um, Rafa Benitez today has been sacked. Um, I would go as far as to say belatedly <laughs> feels like they could have sacked him a month and a half ago and it would have been unsurprising to most um graham potter uh has been just proposed by sky sports uh an hour ago saying that he was in the in the running um and just as we press record uh potter has actually came out and said he's very happy at brighton um, and is not currently interested at all in talking to Everton about their managerial vacancy. So uh, that rumour mill was swiftly put down, uh, which is great. Um, Everton, what what is going on there, lads? Um, if they had, if we had better teams in the league this year, they'd be in serious danger of being one of those shock relegations. Still might. Uh, <laughs> they still might be. Well, you, you're talking winless since October. Uh, no win in, what, 13? Six points away from the relegation zone now when they did make a good start to the season-ish. Um, yeah, I like Josh said, belatedly, but they, they're in big trouble now and they're, they're starting to become one of those teams where they've had, what, nine managers in it so many years and it's just a hire and fire job. Um, I, I don't know if they can attract uh, an Ancelotti or Benitez anymore. Um, it was weird to bring him in in the first place. I'll tell you what annoys me about because I don't care about Everton. I don't care about Benitez. Seems like a nice man, but he's obviously loaded. Um, I'm just annoyed we played them when they had their like four-game purple patch. Uh, and they looked... Yeah. Honestly, we played, we've played varying levels of football this year, haven't we? We've played varying levels of opposition. Everton, for me, were pretty much top two, three best sides that we faced. Like, they dominated yeah. us. Um 
what a weird sort of fall from grace and, and the falling out with Luca Dean. Um, I know Richarlison's been in and out with injury and petulance and Dominic Calvert-Lewin's been injured. So they've been through some interesting troubles. But um, even in this return fixture, they've looked, they look dangerous to me. It's just, it's just a weird situation, but I mean, he was, his days were always going to be numbered. The fans had him on a very, very, very short leash to begin with. So yeah. We'll see what happens. But if the they even add him on a crap, leash, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't believe anything that occurs in January. It, 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 players, managers, nothing. You can't believe anything. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, Enoch on the door. Uh, shame he was surrounded by Palace fans on the train. Um, I heard that the general transport out was an absolute shit show. Um, doesn't sound like it was particularly good. That's the weird. L- that never happens well. getting to Falmer. That's all, it's always been so great. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's absolutely it's apparently it was bad enough for the club to put out a statement. I haven't read it, but um, it was supposed to be quite quite a mess. It was um, fairly apologetic, wasn't it? Um, they came yeah. out pretty quickly and and said sorry. Uh, but hopefully, we'll see some changes in that respect because yeah, by all accounts, it was very shoddy. Yeah, um, we are on the beginning. We're at the beginning, really, of another pretty rapid set of games back to back aren't we um we we had that kind of cup break which was nice um we had a bit of a rest and then all of a sudden we've got palace friday chelsea tuesday leicester sunday um kind of a rapid quick turnaround chelsea are not happy about it tuchel's very upset that they've had one day less rest uh he's becoming ever the victim um but coming into the palace game you know i I think it's fair to say we're having our fair share of shortages as well. Um, a a pretty rotated side in the midfield um, compared to what we're used to being able to see. Obviously, Basuma off at AFCON. Um, Lalana didn't look 100% at times. Um, Pascal Gross coming into the side, who we will definitely talk about. Um, Steven Alzate on the bench. Moises Caicedo straight onto the bench really tells you just how shallow we are in that midfield group. Um, how did you feel uh, looking at that that lineup? I know for, for a start, Adam, you're going to be happy because it's four at the back. Uh, but in general, Craig, how did you feel about that lineup as well? Yeah, I, it's with with Biss and Mwepu out, I, there was always that thing of, can we control the midfield? Um, they had a front three. Um, they've got Gallagher in the middle who will, talk about as well um but it was it was always going to be okay let's let's see what we can do in that midfield area so that we can sort of overwhelm them at the back four means that we're trying to co- you know, trying to cover the midfield and take control in that area so i was worried i mean yeah we'll, we'll speak about gross but with with lana and gross we always say that's a bit slow as a pairing um but with with Moda and McAllister in there as well i thought okay that's gonna that's gonna make up some of the dynamism there so I I was excited to see what was going to happen, uh, just just from a, a partisan perspective, just to see what would what would occur. But all in all, injuries and absences, I think that's probably our best team that we could have put out, especially with Caicedo on the bench. I um, firstly, obviously, Duffy's little niggling injury is worse than predicted. Wasn't even on bench. Um, yeah. And and our backup there, like if if any of those guys would have gone down wasn't particularly good was it I and mean, i think we had we had hayden roberts was our only defensive cover on, on the bench at uh, if not you, you'd have to bring in lamptey move veltman more central the 
the midfield sort of diamond was interesting to me. Uh, and the main One interest. Thing, very quickly, Mark yeah. Leonard. Do you know where he plays? I don't, if I'm honest. I know he's in a striker. He's in midfield, is he? isn't he? Yeah. Because he was on the bench as well. I was just curious if you knew exactly where he played. Uh, maybe Potter doesn't even know where he plays, to be honest. It's just <laughs> like, who's, who's free on Friday night? Um, but it was it was the fact that sort of, it felt like Moser played the most forward of that that grouping uh, in the midfield, and and whether or not it was a sort of a four at the back with a with a four diamond and two up, or whether we sort of played a little bit more like a four five one, it felt like Moda was more advanced than McAllister for for most of the game, which is surprising to me because if you look at those names, I'd go, well, you you put McAllister in that number ten role and, and play it like that. But I think with you playing Mopay and Trossard, he has to rethink the positioning of some of these players. And I know we'll probably talk about Moda at length, but his running through the channels. I'm not sure we have a player better uh, in our squad at, at doing that. And he's been going from strength to strength in terms of his positioning and run play. Yeah, it is a shame that Moda can't get on the same wavelength as McAllister for his finishing because McAllister seems to be the only midfielder that can really consistently put it in the back of the net. Yes. Um, but those runs just absolutely terrified. Like, they could not deal with anything going on. Um, they were they were totally at sixes and sevens all the way through the game. Motor caused some problems from the beginning to the end. I, I think Craig touched on a really good point as well, though. This the, the tactics with the, the swarming the midfield. But what you also saw was that in the first few minutes of that game, when we were putting them really under immense pressure. Um, on the right side, especially like Veltman was getting in tons of space and there was tons of overlap and Moda was drifting out there as well. Um, and I think it was Mitchell playing at left back was absolutely just being murked because they had to, he had to, they had to pull back and sort of go more central because we were overall overwhelming the center of the pitch, which meant that Eze was essentially the guy that was defending on the flank. Eze is a really good player. Don't get me wrong. I know we can't speak well of Palace players. He's very good. What he's not good at is being a defensive left back. So it's weird to see him in that situation. But I think, again, credit to Potter because when we looked at the team sheets, I know we were messaging beforehand, Eze and Elise in the form he's in, playing on the wings against a potential lack of pace, four at the back, Gallagher in the form he's in, Edouard coming in with a lot of assists at the moment. It looked worrying. And, I mean, God, they didn't have a proper touch of the ball for the first 20 plus minutes of that game really did they it was such a high press as well wasn't it just yeah. in the the amount of effort that i was looking in and we, we spoke about everton before in terms of putting pressure on us in the middle and and their high press against us in their little purple patch um i've never seen us press that quickly and that fast with that much effort from the start of a game um it seemed like a very dedicated plan to try and get them on the back foot as quickly as they could um so credit where credit's due um as soon as I saw it, I was like, this isn't going to last 90 minutes. Uh, something's something's going to have to change here. Um, and inevitably, that's probably why we saw Lamptey on the bench, to, to try and mix things up at 60, 65 minutes. Yeah, and it worked a dream, really, um, barring the fact that they got that jammy goal. Um, I think it was on, on, on par to be a tactical masterclass um, for the most part until we got to that second half where things went a bit awry. Um, the... The big thing to talk about as well, I think, and uh, I know you both watched it on NBC as well, um, Karen Carney was the co-commentator. Um, Andy Townsend was bad for this back in the day. Uh, but I have i don't know if she wants to date him. I don't know if she's got, like, his... I don't know if she's his cousin. I don't know if she's, like, his, like, sister-in-law. Uh, 
But never, ever have I had a co-commentator wax so lyrical about a player that was playing so averagely as Elise yesterday uh, on Friday with with uh, the co-commentator. Um, he moved sides after about 20 minutes because Kukurea had just done his head in already. Um, I was really worried about Elise on Friday. I thought he was going to cause us a lot of problems. Um, and... I was shocked at just how easily we contained them going forward with that high press. Um, and and just on Friday's viewing alone, uh, I'm not too jealous of, uh, of Eduard being, being at Palace on that display alone. I, I find it hard to assess the quality of players when they play against us. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. Because think of how many... like promising attacking players that we've faced this year and we walk away and we have this conversation and we go god they didn't do anything uh, th- that's part of the way this team's set up and the tactics that come into it will players that will just destroy other teams come in and play us and like, oh, they didn't barely touch the ball didn't do anything and and clearly uh karen came in and did a bunch of prep looking at elise's last two games <laughs> and decided that i cannot go off script um, and I will continue to wax lyrical and praise this player despite him being uh, absolute utter crap today. Um, yeah, <laughs> Gallagher is 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 another conversation because it's a little too early for Elise. I know we don't want to talk exclusively about Palace players here, um, but who do you look at in that team uh, that when you come away and you go, God, I don't want to face them again, really, because they they really upset us. Like, I think they missed Zaha a bit because in these competitive games, like they need his petulant asshole spirit. Um, they didn't have that. I think I think Elise did his best to try that Zaha impression. With Hughes, amount, maybe. With, with the amount he was on the floor. Um, yeah. Hughes did try as well. That was a really rash tackle on McAllister in the second half as well, where he, yep. he decided to go through him rather than tackle him. Um but yeah, I think they they're missing Zaha, especially because he knows what this fixture means as well. Like we we obviously again we don't want to talk too much about Palace players and and that. But one thing that Zaha does is he gets what this means, um, similar to to Dunk in that respect as well. That he understands how important this is to the fans, and he gives it one hundred and ten percent in this fixture. And arguably, it works against us annoyingly. Um, but yeah, you, you're looking at that team and that performance, especially in the first 45, where they've done absolutely nothing. And we're like, okay, this this is going to be another one of those games. And especially against Palace, it's it was inevitable. And I think we were talking it's in inevitable. the chat when it was when it was going on. We were like, we know exactly where this is heading, especially after after the penalty. Yeah, and let's talk about the penalty as well, because I mean, like you said, that first half was just absolutely one way traffic. Um, we, you know, we we had eight shots. Um, we had three on target. Three of them were blocked. Uh, the Palace had one, and it was an absolute, just like one that went into orbit. Um, it was one of those ones that they just hammered it. Um, we just dominated them on every single stat you could ask for. Um, and and we really should have been at least a goal to the good before the penalty, really. Um, I know that uh, Enoch on the door said in the chat that we had at least three awesome cutbacks where a poacher who sees that bag slows. And I think, you know, he's right. Um, we And I think Mope is that poacher, but you just need that little bit of just someone else coming in to follow up. And, and there wasn't really anybody else. Um, the pen for me, I was surprised it was given 
just because I see that kind of rugby tackle headlock style maneuver in four out of every 10 games in the Premier League every week. Uh, and Shane Duffy in particular seems to be a perpetual victim of it. Um, I would say of his like 11 games, I would say nine of them at corners, he's been brutalized, arguably worse um, than, than we were yesterday, uh, on Friday. And so I was surprised it was given. And I was almost convinced we were missing it from the moment I saw the number 13 step up. And I love Pascal Gross, but I knew from the minute he stepped up, we were doomed. Uh, why, oh, why was Neil Mope not the man stepping up, given that he is our version of Zaha? I think he knows exactly what it means to already. And he also just revels in anything shithousery anyway. So any excuse he would have, I think he would have scored. And I think he would have just totally, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they'd have had a man sent off before the hour at that point. <laughs> well, it was before the 89th minute, so Mopo wasn't allowed to uh, <laughs> be in a scoring uh, pre, pre preconditioned. Yeah. Um, so I think that VAR gets a lot of a bad reputation, doesn't it? Obviously, it, all anyone talks about at the moment is the refereeing standard and, and VAR. This was a good use of VAR. They actually went and looked at something and went, oh, turns out we sort of missed this and uh, shouldn't have been allowed. Let's give a penalty. And it should have been a penalty. Um, I always get a little bit in a bit of a tricky situation when it comes to using hindsight for penalties um, because, of course, it's easy to say so-and-so would have stepped up and uh, you know scored because, well, yeah, probably. Statistically, yes, he would have. Um, and gross... Uh, let's let's give him some credit like we, we we know that he has been a great servant to the club but let, let's come in with a bit of a hot take here i think this that for me cemented his 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 um his coming to an end his the twilight of his brighton career that that penalty miss it was a pathetic penalty like you should not be paid for Premier League footballer wages if you're going to put the ball there in a penalty situation that's like I, i'm terrible at football i always have been but the one thing that i do know is that when you take a penalty that's pretty much like one of two places you don't put the ball easy place for the keeper to save it doesn't have to move much how can you not like i know you're under a lot of pressure i know the flare's been thrown on the pitch i know a guy the penalty should have been taken because a palace guy was running in too soon i know all of those things doesn't matter you're paid to put the ball in the net in a penalty situation you should be doing it um crap uh, and I think that sums up Gross. If you're not going to if you're not going to do things from a set piece standpoint as Pascal Gross, why are you on the pitch? That's a, probably a good segue onto what I was going to say. And similar to Josh, like I think Gross is uh, you know a good player for us, but it's it has got to that point where, and especially last year where we saw well the main reason Gross is on the pitch is for those set pieces so that he can deliver brilliant balls into the box so that at least we stand a chance against these set pieces that we never take. Um, and now it's got to that point where McAllister, Kukurea coming in now with that left foot can deliver a, an in-swinger exactly. from, from the left-hand side. So you don't need, we're not as reliant on Gross anymore for those magic set pieces that give us a chance. Yep. And that was his main feather in his cap. So now when he's getting, I don't forgive me for whoever knows how old gross it is, but you know, he's been with us since 2017, 2018. He's had those good three years. Um, 
he's not an important player for us anymore, unfortunately, as, as much as I don't like to say that. Um, you're, you're looking at Moda, McAllister, Lalana are all ahead of him. Um, we don't need him for wing-back cover anymore, God forbid. Um, so th- there's that element there where that depth is now sort of outgrown our reliance on Gross to deliver those set pieces. Um, yes. when, it, when it comes to the penalty, even the technique is off. Um, the, the flares put him off. I... I, I understand all of it and and the, I guess, the scenario and situation that he's in. But if in doubt, put your foot through that. Don't try and place it either side of the keeper in that manner because um, it's never going to work. Butland is, you know, six and a half foot, um, you know, <laughs> in, in being a very, um, very sizable character in that goal. So it... It just, like Josh said, it was it was off from the start, and I don't know why he's taking it when Morpé, Trossard, McAllister are all on the pitch at that point. Um, I'd even let Lalana take it. Let Lalana get a goal, like because <laughs> he's shy of it apparently. Like let any just, <sighs> yeah. That's that's generally, and I think I've actually said this in a pod earlier in the season with you all that when we when we predictably had a like a crap penalty or something before it can't have been because we haven't missed one happily this year uh, mm-hmm. prior to this. Maybe it was the penalty shootout actually where we lost at Leicester. Um, all I ask, because I was never the best at football either. Like I was like bang average at best. All I ask is that you just hit it as hard as you can really. Like that's all I ask for more than anything. Like if you've absolutely blasted that down the middle, like Shearer esque, right? Like you just laced it down the middle as hard as you can and button saves it. Like, okay. Like I wish you wouldn't have gone down the middle because that's an easier place to save the ball, but like at least you just hammered it. Like that's all I can ask when you yeah. roll it down the middle like that. Like there's no chance. There's no chance you're going to score that. It's so uh, easy. The most annoying thing is like I, I alluded to just the technique as well. Just like trying to, I, I, I don't know what he was doing. It looked like he was trying to, a diagonal pass from the left to the right. He hasn't even put anything through it. Um, and like I'm I said, watching if you, the replay now, it's, it was sad. It's horrible. If, you, if you're in, <laughs> if you're in any doubt in that position, foot through it, and we can't begrudge you for doing that. Because if you're doubting yourself at any time, hit that as hard as you can and hope for the best. Yeah, that's it. Like that really is it. Like, and Pascal Gross is thirty. He'll be thirty-one when he's out of contract in the summer. Um, I can't see a future where Pascal Gross gets another contract with us. Um, it's it out makes, at the end of the season, isn't it? Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah, it makes no sense. Um, but uh, And the El Dude brothers in the chat, who do we get to replace that Gross role? Well, I think we've got a couple of people that we've just talked about, right? It, as term, in terms of that set-piece threat, you know, we've got McAllister and Kukurea, who are both pretty comfortable on set pieces. Trossard has taken plenty in the past as well. He's comfortable with doing the same kind of thing. And then you've also got, you know, I understand that your worry is maybe we don't have those kind of roaming midfielders that can create chances, but we do. We have, uh, we have Jakob Moda, we have Pascal Gross, we have Alzate, who's who's on the let bench Alzate right play, now. Let Caicedo play. Yeah, Caicedo yeah. is... You know, I don't know where he's going to end up playing, but he's if he doesn't end up like for like being a, a Basuma kind of role, he's one. Uh, and then you've got those players that are out on loan. You're my Thomas. Um, you know, I know he plays more forward, but if you want those roaming midfielders that can cause problems in pockets, 
I feel like we've got loads of them. <laughs> we just we just signed one, Casper Kozlowski. That's the one. Yeah. right? Um, yeah, th- th- there's plenty of that. I mean, look, if if you need uh, a 30 plus player that doesn't move particularly well anymore, um, can't take a penalty and looks down on his luck, I'm available to come in and play <laughs> when when needed. Um, and I think I'm part of the homegrown quota, so it'd be fine. Like Graham, just give me a call. You don't need to pay gross. I'll do it for nothing. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, I, I, he's the club's the club has outgrown Pascal Gross. And um, where's the guy in the chat that used to just come in every single week and just shit on Pascal Gross? He yeah, must be I can't sat remember. There. He must just be in a state of delirium at the moment. That's why he's not on. That's yeah. why he's not in the chat. He's just like on a constant binge. Yeah, like, he's been. He's five bottles of champagne deep, like, mountains you know, of coke. Like, yeah, he's, that's all, he's been on a bender for a, a good few days. But you just Pascal Gross two years ago. You could have said Pascal Gross is probably one of our best players. Um, and he was. He's a fantastic job he's, he's done at this club. But we've talked about this for the last few episodes. Your standards now, at Brian and Hove Albion, based on what we've been doing this season, the type of investment that we've had, aren't on purely survival and staying clear of the relegation zone. Pascal Gross is a perfect player for a club. Like he would do a job right now at Norwich. He'd do a job at Burnley. He, you know, those types of teams. I don't think he's right for this club anymore. He would be unbelievable for a team like Burnley, a team that like imagine him whipping balls into your Tarkovskis here. Well, obviously not Chris Wood. We'll talk about that as well shortly. Yeah. But you yeah. know, you, you're whipping the ball into those kind of aerial threats that Burnley have. You know, like that's bread and butter, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's it's... always a place for that. Um, he's he just doesn't have enough skills outside of that very specific set. Like James Wood Prowse. James Wood Prowse has what more. a free kick, eh? He has That's more about him, right? He has that slightly, he has that edge on him on set pieces for sure, because he's uh, even more lethal. He's also a homegrown player, which always helps. But he's, he's the also- best free kick taker for England since David Beckham. Simply, he's, he might be better. He's, he's the also best. just much better rounded than, than yeah. Gross, flat out. And, and that just explains everything you need to know. If you want a player that is a set-piece specialist by trade, you need to be playing at the level of James Ward-Prowse as a mid-table Premier League team. And Gross isn't anywhere near. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, there was a chance, though, before this, and, and this, <laughs> this will get us back yeah. into the old transfer yeah. saga crap. Back in the ninth minute, we had that sort of <laughs> weird long ball after Palace had a corner, and uh, Kukurea just was, some for some reason... Up front on the right hand side. I was going to say on the right. That uh, man was everywhere. He's I, an I, I took a, I took about five minutes of the game just to see where he was, and I don't think there was a, a blade of grass that he didn't touch. I, it was insane. He's. Uh, we we need to be doing stuff in the next two years, or he walks and goes to play for a Champions League club. But you already see it. You already see it. Um, and we talked ad nauseum about that fact but what a fantastic player anyway so, so so he's hunting the ball down horrible like defensive header from one of the palace defenders and then obviously trossard breaks free and you have to finish that i know i know it's hard to say it was a bit of an angle it took a bit of a crappy touch it's kind of part and parcel but there was also a little dink ball over mope was standing on his own yeah. as well and that changes the game because we talked and you've already mentioned this when you have this much of a high press uh, at the start of a game Potter's clearly come out and said guys 
I want you to score in the first 15 minutes and then we're going to control the game. We're going to keep the ball. We're at home and we're going to frustrate the hell out of them and we're going to win this game. And that's that. And I think that that was the goal. That was, that was the goal that sets Potter's full game plan off perfectly. And that was that was a tough one to witness. You would, it's one of the only players you'd want it to fall to as well. Just in, And you see him think the Brentford keeper from outside the box. You think just something. And yeah, the only person apart from Morpé on the pitch that I would like that to fall to. And uh, doesn't finish it. It needs to be better. I, I'm probably one of Trossard's biggest fans, but needs to be better in those one-on-ones. Yeah. Um, the goal came around not not too long after that, um, which is not great. Uh, just to put into perspective, actually, because I was looking something up, um, the pressures that you were talking about, just to add credence to that, because I think we all watched it and could see it. Um, Manchester City are the team with the most pressures in the Premier League, as you would expect, uh, and Liverpool as well are well up there. Um Yesterday, Manchester City committed to 137 pressures uh, on Chelsea yesterday. Uh, the Albion committed to 140 against Palace um, on Friday. Outrageous work rate. Outrageous. Um, just impressive. mental. Very yeah. impressive. Yeah, mental. Um, yeah. Uh, can I add one? I want to add yeah. one thing because it's part of a bigger conversation because straight after Gross took the worst penalty of all time, um, we had this straight, we had that corner um, and the goal that was like disallowed from the, uh, the yeah. Mope finish. Um, what do we think about that? Because this is sort of a one where nine times out of 10, that goal gets disallowed, but I don't think it should be. And I, I hate the amount of um, respect in some ways that goalkeepers get like back in the day as a keeper, you sort of have to, part of your job is to, hold the ball and yes i know he's got two hands on it but he didn't have proper the grasp of that ball and it got jostled out like i I don't know whether i necessarily love the fact that that gets disallowed he it wasn't he what he didn't commit to a football move did he he didn't have two feet down (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it wasn't Yeah, Enoch sang in the chat as well. I think he might have dropped it a teeny bit. Yeah, I, I agree. I just, I, it's so hard when you're looking at video just after the fact. And this is the downside of VAR is like it's very easy to just be like, oh, with two hands on it. Well, in in that flow of gameplay, it doesn't allow you to think, see things like momentum and and, and whether he actually did have proper grip on the ball. I just don't. I just don't know about that one. Again, we're clutching at straws, but. There is there is a bigger conversation there, isn't there, around the protection of goalkeepers and how it's increased, especially since VAR has come in. Um, you know, if if we're talking about control, then obviously there's an issue there. I think it's the overprotection of the goalkeepers um, in recent times that has set a precedent for that to be disallowed. Yeah. Um, so it it is what it is. You you know. You, you win some of those, you lose some of those. Again, a perspective. If that was Sanchez and he got bundled into with two hands on the ball, we would be saying the opposite probably. Um, so it it's the general premise of protection of goalkeepers that needs to be changed in order for that to be allowed. Yep. Yep. And, and funnily enough, we've said this, if there ever is any opposition fans listening in, because I know the Man Cities we're in with the other day when we did them a favour. Um <laughs> <laughs> we we've said this ourselves more than once on Sanchez's behalf when he's got away with it more than once this season where he has been backed by the ref when he shouldn't have been really yeah twice yeah. I can remember 
yeah. um, and crosses where he's been backed. And we've said against our own team, he shouldn't shouldn't have been, shouldn't have got away with that. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's safe to say together BHA is very much on the on the bandwagon of uh, let's let's give them a little bit less leeway here. The keepers, and I think that's why that VAR decision was so fast as well. I think it was just like, oh, benefit of the doubt to keeper. Move on. Next. Yeah, you're not hey. going to get into any hot water over making that decision. Uh, it's just saying, uh, yeah, fine. Yeah. And then it gets to a point where you you just finish out that half because it really hasn't gone your way in those last five minutes or so that that's happened. So I think getting to half time as well, where they started to get into the game a little bit because it saw the momentum shifted. Um, half time just came at the right time for that to happen. Yeah. We we moved on half time. We I th- I thought there's no way we're going to come out and commit to the same performance we we did uh, and we did anyway. We went straight at them again. Um, the the one thing I will say because uh, I, I can't I can't really hold Potter responsible for the Pascal Gross penalty um, because from what I can tell from conversations or like interviews and different bits and pieces had. I guess there's not a set penalty taker, there's a set group, and they kind of make that decision on the pitch. Um, so if that's the case, fair enough. The others were wrong. <laughs> Someone else should have took it. But uh, I'm not going to blame him for that. I am going to blame him for not moving quick enough, I feel. Um, the the play started to move in Palace's direction slightly after their substitution, or really just before their subs, when they brought on uh and uh mateta um and just before that in between that will hughes yellow card just after that i felt like the momentum started to shift and they started getting themselves into the game the subs really helped them with that and i thought we really need to make a change here sooner than later and we kind of went and immediately conceded and then made the changes potter has been a little bit slow and we've noticed in recent weeks that he's actually got a lot better at that and is much more proactive. I thought Friday he he was a little bit slower again on the uptake on that. Uh and and that goal came at a horrific time really because it was the first time they'd really got into the game. Um and as Palace seemed to do at the Amex, uh it only takes one chance um and they pop it into the back of the net. Um and the defending was not its best, I think is best to say. Uh, I'm not really sure what any of them. Are doing. I, I, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because I thought, and and this was, I think this was going to happen prior to even, and who knows what this Lalana injury is going to be. But so of course he's got some kind of injury. But when we brought Lampty on, and, and then we transitioned to the to the five, five at the back, three at the back, whatever you want to call it, um, that made Vieira rethink what he was doing because he delayed his subs. Um, and it did then alter the game flow a little bit. And, and uh, let's go back as well. Straight off the bat, coming out second half, credit to Pascal Gross. He put a really great ball in and Moda crashed the ball against the bar. Should have been a goal. Again, how many times have we seen Moda not be able to actually get the ball properly on target? Um, but So I thought that the Lamptey substitution and the, the reshuffle was actually a good proactive decision from him. Not 10 minutes later, obviously, the, the Palace subs come into play. There was only a seven-ish minute delay obviously after the goal uh, when those subs came on when, when we had Welbeck and Solly March introduced so I don't know I think it's it's hard to put that under a microscope necessarily and put that on Potter because I actually think he made the proactive change Vieira reacted they got lucky with what you know a break where they they scored that goal and whatever with the defending whatnot 
and then he made another change. So I'm I'm actually going to sort of give a bit of a benefit of the doubt there. I think so. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. There's what there's three minutes between those two subs and the goal. I thought Mateta made an immediate impact in being able to receive that ball yeah. and and start things again. Um, you'll watch that goal back and you'll think, yeah, that's actually pretty decent. I feel dirty for saying that, but it it's it's a a decent counter attack. And whilst we could be a lot better defensively, we know that you know we are susceptible to a break or a counter attack in that nature. So. Um, when you've got someone like Gallagher in your team as well, if it's going to fall to him in the penalty area, he's probably going to he's probably going to score. So that that's obviously a proactive change by Potter, a very reactive change by Vieira, who actually got it right um, and managed to managed to get one on the break after three minutes. Um, four minutes later, we put March and Well back on, and it's uh, it's gung ho from there. Yeah, yeah, and and that was when. We got a, uh, you know, we kind of went back to the same old, same old, uh, except Palace went even further back <laughs> into, into their own box for most of the the next kind of 20 minutes. Um, and what, 87 minutes on the clock, uh, we were lucky enough um, for uh, Anderson to pop it into the back of the net himself. Um, I had literally, literally just texted uh i can't remember if it was your group the group chat with you guys or uh one of the lads back home i said i think we could play for another hour and we wouldn't score um and technically we didn't uh we, we had to we had to leave it uh for mr anderson to pop it into the back of the net um but you don't get those uh if you don't cross it in hard and fast proper fifa scumbag goal um and i think it was much needed and and, and i genuinely thought we might be on for a winner here. <laughs> it was a good finish. <laughs> it was a good finish. Um, yeah, like you say, you, you don't you don't get those unless uh, you actually put the ball into a dangerous position, and they did that. Um, I will go back to the goal a little bit uh, that they scored reverse time slightly. Gallagher finished it really well. It was a successful counter attack. Um, well, let's talk a little bit more about Gallagher in a minute or so, because um, obviously, yes, we're a Brighton podcast. We can't say anything good about Palace players. I'm excited about the potential for England's team uh, in maybe not a Qatar, but uh, because fuck that competition, excuse me. But I'm excited about it in the future. Like we've got such talent coming through the ranks across the board, including uh, you know our own players. Anyway, if you watch that goal again. Um, we had five players ball watching and Gallagher was on his own in the penalty box. Uh, Potter will be furious about that defending. I can't remember who got the ball to the byline and then like cut it back in, whether it was, I think Ezed come schlap. I think it, it was. was. They were, they were surrounding him and Gallagher was just like in the box on his own. Like their, their main like runner from midfield that's blast the ball into the box sort of Lampard esque. Yeah, leave them alone. Anyway, let's not do that again. Um, but yeah, there was, a, there was, that chance at the end as well. Like once, once we got that fortunate, let's say, home goal, there was that Welbeck chance too. Like there was yeah. a lot of pressure there. Lamptey went down in the ninety third minute, um, and I think just because of his size, he doesn't get the benefit there, and they just think, oh, he's weak and goes down. That was a foul. That should have been a free kick as well. Uh, a few more minutes, and I think that game was that game ends differently. Yeah, there's a lot of huffing and puffing, wasn't it? 
so yeah there's there's a lot there i thought i thought more did so well to get that into the box as well and Welbeck Welbeck is waiting there so his presence alone is a, a yes. by proxy for that goal um so yeah making making joel ward look silly um and and putting in a danger area um again more doesn't get the plaudits that maybe he should he's starting to but um he's he's clearly so important to this team and, and made that goal yeah um man of the match it's a tough one for me because um, I thought it was just a really good, solid team performance. Um, I I thought that everybody played pretty well without anybody standing out too much. Um, but I'm going to give my man of the match to Jakob Moda. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw enough from him in that role behind the front two, making those runs, that it's like, okay, he's still only 22. This guy... Give him some finishing training, please. Someone get those like football manager finishing stats up. Someone, um, because he will be one of those players that won't be with us long if he can improve upon that. And he is only twenty-two, so there is time for that to happen. Um, if he does and he continues to play in that kind of pocket of space and making those runs he makes, and he can start scoring ten goals a season in the Premier League, which is a lot for a midfielder, especially at our level, he's getting. <laughs> He'll be gone. He'll be gone to a Manchester City legit, I think, in like three or four years' time if he can develop that side of his game. And yesterday, Friday alone, I keep saying yesterday, Friday alone, it's a four-day weekend, so it's thrown me off entirely because like Friday was just a waste of time because I couldn't focus on anything because of the game. But if he can develop that, I was impressed with, with what he was asked to do and how well he did it on Friday. I thought he was excellent, barring the obvious finishing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> starting to become undroppable for me and um, where he's just able to do a number of a number of things playing a number of positions and in that advanced role i think he's what got four assists for more pay alone at this point um he he's bringing something very good to this team um and you can see it now with the the time it took for him to bed in last season and uh just what he's showing this season so I get him an international break with Lewandowski. Do some do some shooting training or something, um, and yeah, like Josh said, if if he if he ups that game and he starts getting five to ten goals a season, he he won't be here for long. Uh, yeah, I, it, uh, Modo is great. Uh, every, every time I watch Kukureya, I get bored of hearing me say this. Uh, he's he's becoming that player for me. Like at the start of the season, we talked about how uh, until otherwise proven, Basuma's man of the match when he plays. Kukureya start Kukureya starting to be that player for me as well. Just a cut above. Um, I, I'll use my standard joke here. Uh, the the man of the match for me was Anderson. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, I think Moda was first, Kukurea a good second for me. I think you're completely right. It's when Biss is out of that team, Kukurea is the best player on that pitch, unless unless shown otherwise. Uh, speaking of Biss, um, got the start today against Gambia um, and won man of the match for a 1-1 draw. Did he give away a penalty though and it, gain a penalty? Won, he won one for sure. Not sure if he gave one away. I, I but think he it was all away. of everything. I think he did everything. <laughs> uh, the AFCON, not sure how much of you, you've watched, boys, but it it's always an adventure, the AFCON. Um, in the, that's the politest way I can say it, I think. Um, Chaos. There are, yes, there are times when Back when we were in the doldrums, I would watch 
League Two and League One refs and think, how do they have a job? Um, how on earth these people are refereeing on the world stage is quite beyond me. Um, well, the guy that ended the game like at the 87th minute and tried to end it twice. Yeah. yeah. Outrageous. Um, it's mental. I just never, it's just always mental. I don't understand how bad their officiating can be and they don't make an effort to at least try and get people in from it. Like, import some if you have to. Like, get, yeah, like, take some of the Premiership referees, please. Yeah. Right. They are <laughs> we don't like, want them. It's wild to say that they are better. Um, they shouldn't be, given how poor they are. Um, I will say, I thought I, I thought that ref had a pretty good game, actually, on Friday. For the game that it was, big rivalry, uh, Friday night, you know, all of the all the the trimmings. Uh, I thought he played, I thought he actually had a good game. I forgot that he was there a lot of the time, um, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we've, we talked about referees a fair amount. Um, who wants to be a referee? Why would you become a referee? Uh and so uh, you, you don't get paid very well. You get constant abuse. Um, it, you, you can't really sort of follow a team. Um, there's a reason we have, you know, a, a, a lack of quality. And it's everywhere. Like, you don't go to a country and suddenly like everyone in the La Liga goes, you know what? God, I love our refereeing. No one says that. Like everyone hates it. Of course they do. But there, there is a problem. But the problem is, is, is it goes much deeper than this. Like we, they are the villains of the show a lot of the time. And like it takes a certain character to to play that role, but also sort of not not really get much out of it. Um, was it- there's a general disdain for for referees in in most leagues, isn't there? Um, and I think you're right. There's a there's a much deeper rooted issue around refereeing and I guess the the return on investment of being a, a referee because there there yeah. really isn't any upside apart from you know being able to ref at the highest game uh, at the highest level. Sorry, but it's a it's a very niche aspiration for some people. Um, I think that needs to change before the level of refereeing changes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I miss the days right. of Pierluigi Colina. You remember that those are the glory days, weren't they? When referees could just like he would look at someone and they would just get, they would just shut up and just cower. God, what a scary man! He was on the cover of uh, Pro Evolution. He Soccer was. He was. And that's he how was f- famous he that's was. Like, think about that. You get the cover as a ref. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but they they need to put more defenses in place for referees. Like you shouldn't be able to just like throw every expletive under the sun at a referee and then crowd round him and like brandish fake cards. You shouldn't be able to do those things. But again, the problem then becomes into this situation that you also have in some ways with managers and players. The players get paid orders of magnitude more than the people that are telling them, no, you can't do that. So th- th- there's this, there's just such a big issue, but there needs to be like proper rules in place where frankly, like if you, if you bad mouth, like, okay, great, get out. You're done, yeah. but it's, it's always akin to that rugby mentality, isn't it? Where it, it's very much well not frowned upon; it's just completely not allowed. Um, so, yeah, like you said, there's there's a disparity there between um, the level that players are being held at versus the refs. Um, you know, there's a, a general talking down to them that they can swarm them, they can do this. Um, you can't change just one game out of the lot. There needs to be a very certain and very severe rule from the outset that says from this point forwards you cannot do this anymore and yeah. it's not going to happen let's um, talk quite, about the lack happen. of respect for authority in society right now we'll do, <laughs> we'll do 45 minutes on that 
around the league uh, this weekend, um, some interesting results. Norwich, of course, uh, finished off Rafa. Um, I, I honestly thought it, we might have been the ones to finish him off, but he uh, he, he persisted. They persisted, um, and and they got beat by Norwich two one this weekend. Uh, what I would have believed to be a pretty much a considered a must win uh, for Saudi FC um, did not go well for them either. Uh, from one nil up as well, they threw it away against Watford, um, and. They're, the rest of their fixture list, I took a look at it the other day, that's not easy. They, they've played most of their easy, in quotation marks, of course, it's the Premier League, nothing's like easy, so to speak, but they've played most of the teams around them now already. They've only got Norwich and Burnley left to play, both away from home. The rest are your mid-table and top teams, your Chelsea's, your, your Brentford's, uh, you know, your West Ham's, your Villas, uh, your Wolves, your Leicester, your Manchester United, your Liverpool, like Man City, like Arsenal. Like, they've, there's not really any games in there where you think, oh, we're at home to a team right around us as a six-pointer. This is a must-win. That that Watford game was the last one they had. And yeah, they yeah. didn't get it done, um, despite their new signings. Um, Chris Wood moved there for £25 million on January the 13th as well. Um, not not quite the uh, the football manager glitz and glamour transfer window I think fans were hoping for at the time of recording on January the 16th for Newcastle. Uh, two moves so far, Kieran Trippier and Chris Wood um, for about £45, £50 million-ish, £45 I think, altogether. Um yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? It feels like the Chris Wood move was partially just to consign Burnley to doom as much as it was to help out Newcastle. Uh, big time. I think they'll they'll look back on this game at the end of the season, depending on how it plays out. And, and this might be the one that they regret most of all. Uh, they can't cling on to a lead, can they? Uh, they can't hold. They can't not concede. The, I thought Tripp, Trippy is a really good player. Uh, his... Um, his sort of performances in La Liga uh, are, they've been really, really resoundingly good over the last couple of seasons, assist wise, all that type of thing. But I think the league suits him quite well, frankly, gets a lot of space and time to be able to put in his, his deliveries. And, and he's very good set piece taker back to the Brighton game for half a second. Our set pieces were a lot better against Palace corners we actually looked like a threat from it was incredible i didn't know what was what was happening um but again mccallister was on the pitch um chris wood was interesting but so apparently this came around and sorry if people actually know this already but it was the the same agent that trippier was brought in by represents chris wood and apparently he was like look chris wood's got a 25 million release clause in his contract so burnley aren't going to sell him to you because they need him And, and chris wood Data-wise, it's been one of the best strikers in the Premier League over the last few seasons. Like outside of the top strikers in the Premier League, he's a really good goal scorer, especially on a side like Burnley. Um, so not only does that impact Burnley badly, and now they're suddenly like reliant upon. Yeah, uh, 
<laughs> they've now got Newcastle have now got a threat with with the injuries that they're suffering from. But I did, yeah, you're, it's, I'm starting to worry about my prediction that they stay up. Quite frankly, because I, three games in hand, Burnley have beneath them, and only one point. Um, Watford have got a game in hand and two points clear of them. Like Norwich, obviously, just one. There's a long way to go, but oh god, they're running out. Like, they are. They've got to show something different. They really do. And that's what we were looking for. I, I mean, not looking for, but that's what we were expect to see is some sort of shift in either mentality or performances. And nothing's changed. Um, you, you've got t- two very astute signings there. Absolutely. Um, I think we'll we'll see a fair amount of money thrown around the last couple of days of January as well. Uh, I fully expect that. Um, but then it's, you know, if you too many chefs in that kitchen, if you try and bring too many people in, then it's just going to completely dissolve what you're trying to achieve. So it, two good signings. They're obviously, they're being a little bit more clever than we thought they'd be in, in just throwing money about left, right and rhubarb. But you're, you're right. You've got one, twin, one win in 20. There's no visible change in what's happened. Um, I think they're, they're in a lot more trouble than I think. Well, I mean, people know they're in trouble, but I think given that Burnley have got three games in hand, etc. I think it's going to be hard for them to try and stay up. You know what's fun though? It's January the 16th. When we keep looking at the Premier League table, I keep looking for our name in the bottom half and it isn't there. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's pretty really cool, fun. isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and even more so, you know, the, the game in hand stuff, there's really, I mean, there is categorically, there's only Leicester that has that, that can knock us down a pick and they're still in the top half because we'd be 10. I mean, yeah. and, we've, and we've got them there. We've got them on Saturday. Yes, we do. Um, yeah, uh, Sunday, right? Is it Sunday? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. One of them. One of the days we're there. Uh, <laughs> uh, Burnley, I mean, uh, I almost wonder if for Burnley, this decision, it doesn't sound like they were particularly happy with it. I don't know if you saw Ben Mee came out and said that there would be no chance of him leaving Burnley. Um and he wouldn't throw away his 10 years at Burnley to go to a team like Newcastle or something like that. Um, they may have just inadvertently shot themselves in the foot a little bit here. There may have been that galvanizing like thing that they didn't expect to get. It may have just boosted them. You know what I mean? Like it may have just given them that like, fuck you attitude of like, okay, you're going to take our best striker. We'll just show you that we'll do it anyway. And they, they're perfectly capable of scumbagging points. That, that's <laughs> Burnley's entire existence. Dice ball. They, yeah. they can they can they can draw every single one, can't they? So um in, in that respect. And and with Maxwell Cornet up front as well, who's actually doing all right so far. Um I don't know if that's just a, a solidified replacement or not, but they're they're perfectly capable of drawing these next twenty one games and getting twenty one points. Dank Lamatek in the chat said the question is also what can Sean Dyke do Deitch do with that twenty five million uh over the course of the next two weeks? Well, I agree with him in that he could do more with less. That's his entire mentality. Um, Cornet was like, what, like eight, nine million or something like that. Uh, you get, you only need one or two players like, you know, just astute signings, astute loans, maybe one or two loans. It's not like they're against a loan signing. Um, you know, I think that there's ever, if I had to pick a team out of that bottom three to get out of it, I'd be more, I'd be more, prone to say Burnley are more likely to get out of that bottom three than Newcastle are right now. But I think that's also because I'm looking at 17 games played and how many they have in hand. 
uh, it's so hard to say, isn't it? I think every time let's 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 contextualize when we say one or two signings away. That's a big statement because especially it's hard for Burnley. to sign anyone right now. Yeah, <laughs> who's who's looking at Burnley and being like, okay, I could do a difference here. I'm going to go and sign for Burnley in January, who are currently a twentieth in the table and have just had. Uh, they're probably second best player taken off of them. Yeah. All right. It's time. I'm ready. Uh, I don't know. I don't know whether those three games on hand are a little bit of a red herring and they just, they just, <laughs> um, I'm not sure who their three games are. Do you know? The Spurs, Leicester and somebody else. I think I know the Spurs and Leicester once have been. They, yeah. Cause they've got four games to be confirmed that have been moved. They play Watford in two days. Uh, they play Arsenal on Sunday, and then they play Man U, Liverpool, and then us. So they've got Spurs, Villa, and Everton, where the games have got called off. Oh. So it's a bit of a shame, really, because if they'd have uh, yeah, uh, if they'd have had that oh. Everton game, if they'd have had that Everton game rescheduled quickly, <laughs> they may well have got three points from that with Rafa. But the fun thing is, we don't need to do. We don't. It doesn't. <laughs> Point being is, I know it's early, but I don't think I don't care about this bit now. Like, go, I don't. Whatever, whoever goes down, I'm more just thinking about what players we might be able to buy in the, in, in the summer. Uh, uh, what I'm more interested in is is the sides um, in and around, uh, you know, like the, your Southamptons, Villas, Brentford's, Leeds, these kind of teams. Um, Palace, obviously, Manchester Brentford. United. Demand, yeah, yeah. Brentford got crushed <laughs> today. Obviously, um, Villa. Is the is the most intriguing one just because of the, what they've done in the last few days in terms of signings? Luca Dean is a big signing for them. Coutinho, obviously, Coutinho was going to do what he did. Like has been yeah. absolutely. If you watched him for Barcelona, it, it, truly, it looked like someone that had sort of just been taught how to play football the week before, and then just was thrown out to play games and then he comes back and he looks incredible and he also looked pretty good for Bayern he's on loan there as well it's just a weird situation but god they actually they was it Ramsey as well the other the other lad Jacob yeah. Ramsey yeah Jacob Ramsey really impressive yesterday they're, they're better than 13th with the investment that they have um so we need to I think we'll we'll be looking out for them in the in the coming weeks yeah there was there was a period last year when I was doing we had those games in March where we beat like Saints, Newcastle and someone else. And that was like kind of what got us safe without realizing that was the number that got us safe. Cause we always kind of look at like 38, 40 points. Like let's go for that. I, I would say the same thing, Adam, you know, when we were on 20 points or 21 points and we hadn't won a game in 11, I was very concerned. Uh, but I think post Christmas with all of these games being played and yeah, there's some games in hand down there, but for the most part, most of those teams in and around that bottom part have played most of their games. I think that 30 is it this year. Just looking back on previous seasons at the same kind of time a year as now and looking back on where those points totals ended up. I know Newcastle with the and the anomaly with the amount of money they're about to spend, but I think 30 is going to be enough to be safe this year. I really do. And when you look at that, we're two away. So like I agree now. Like three weeks ago, I definitely didn't. Not with the, not with the run we'd been on, and it didn't seem to be coming to an end. And you know, that at that point, those ten points can be hard to get to if you're not if you're just not winning anything. You can be dragged down that bad. I mean, look at Watford. 
they started off quite well and they've just gone to absolute shit losing god knows how many in a row before they dragged that point out at newcastle um but yeah yeah i think 30 is enough um and manchester united will be delighted to know that they're safe um and and you <laughs> they're know, so bad they're so bad <laughs> they really aren't good are they so this is the first time probably in in the premier league where we're comfortable where where we were, we're looking up rather than down and it there's your progression right there's there's you know last year with all its frustrations and, and being 15th 16th you know always looking over your shoulder and and what we're doing um here's your progression and we, we talked a couple of weeks ago around okay how do we show these players that we're on the up how do we get them to stay how do we show them that we're building something here um I think we're finally starting to show that in tangible results. Um, so if if we do get to a, you know, a 45, 50 point mark, you know, we're, we're talking hypothetical, of course. But if if you if you want to set that objective where you start getting into that top 10, you then look at the likelihood of people coming in. Those younger players that we are scouting all across the world do want to come in because they know that we're going somewhere. Um, it, it's something that we've needed for a long time. And it, it's a bit weird to actually feel think and feel this way because it it is good in a very relief sort of sense that this was a long time coming and it's such an easy conversation to have isn't it as opposed to three weeks ago too you've got people like Basuma, obviously who are coming up towards the end mope trossard who have got 18 months as well um mcallister and everybody else like that and they're all very young and very talented um players but the conversation has just become so easy you know if you're if you're barber and ashworth now and, and Potter, you're sat there and you're going, look at where we are in the table. Look at our stats. Look at the look at the win loss draw column. Um, here, here's our plans for the summer of 2022. I keep wanting to say 2021. I'm still in that like <laughs> horrible phase. Um, you go. Here's our plans for 2022. Uh, as it stands right now, this we need to change two draws into wins, and we're in fifth place. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna buy the talent that gets us to convert in just a couple of those, and we're up in Europe, which is outrageous. That's all you need to say to these players if they if they have that ambition and they think they can do it, and they haven't got your Man Cities, your Liverpools, your Man United's queuing out the door to pay them a shit ton of money because Mope, Trossard, McAllister, they won't have those kind of level of play- clubs looking at them just yet. Assume it probably will, but for the rest of them, it's such an easy conversation to have. Of yeah, but like, what? Why? Like, why do you want to go to Villa other than money, obviously, or Wolves when we're right there with them, and we're gonna and we're telling you this is how we're gonna do things, and this is how we're gonna convert that. You know, it, I, 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 yeah, I, 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 I'm starting to as the, as the days ebb away, I'm starting to not believe that a name is going to come in. Obviously, a decent chunk of money spent on, on whatever his name is, um, who's at USG now, Kasper, Kalowski, whatnot. Um, there's been some other names thrown around, but nothing that feels like it's got any actually sort of meat on the bones, really, is it? There's a kid that's playing for Lewis right now that we've apparently we're looking at that Nader reported earlier. He's not going to be coming in for the first team, is he? So I just look at, I think they're looking at this now and they go, what you just said, prior to that which is probably 30 points is good for us we have played 20 games in the premier league and we've lost four we have only been beaten four times uh and they were against weird everton 
that yep. somehow played amazing. Man City, which is the fact that we only lost by three goals, is a sort of an achievement in in many ways. Uh, the the two nil to Villa was rough, um, and then that one nil against Wolves that was tough. That they uh, refused. That we post we we requested postponement and they refused, which is always going to have that asterisk around it. For me. We also we should have just been a bit smart and sent more players out on loan and played at under twenty three games the night beforehand, and then we would have got it postponed. But <laughs> yeah, because that's that's definitely a good rule. Um, yeah. I, do you, are you really like? I think they just look at this and they go, "All right, we're, we're, it's a bad time to buy players in January. We don't like doing this. We don't need to spend a lot of money. We've got some players back from injury. We've got Casado back on loan. Uh, we're going to get players back from the Afcon. Let's just let's just do what we can until the summer. Like maybe because if we end up in fourteenth, thirteenth, great. Okay, next year. There's that there's that mentality shift, isn't it? Where mm-hmm. um, you know you, you've made that mark and now you can. In- almost enjoy that season and try and finish as high as possible but not with that horrible um sort of lingering that something bad might happen so yeah i think the, i think potter came out the first couple of days of january and said there's not going to be like many changes we're not expecting we're expecting the squad to stay together there hasn't really been any like you said any substance to to these rumors that are coming around we're also ninth in the Premier League, so agent talk is going to include Brighton a lot more as well to try and get something going for their for their player. So yeah, the the better you're doing, the more you're going to be connected to these people just by association, just because you're ninth in the Premier League and because you do well with young players. Any agent with a 20, 21-year-old player that wants a move, um, you you are going to link them to to some of the best young talented squads that you do have. So expect it i don't think we'll see anyone come in any any significant name um or any sort of game changer that that maybe some people like to have um but we don't need it right now i I think this conversation is very different two months ago but we've turned that corner now and hopefully we'll kick on from here would would like to see it though we'd like to we we, yeah uh, yes a player or two would be great but i think every club saying that right now as we've talked about so and Mike, Mikey's question, do you think we'll get into Europe this year, even if we're seventh and get the Conference League? I think the best chance we have playing in Europe is, is if we do a pre-season off-site in Spain uh, in the summer. <laughs> no, nah, not, not this year. Not do this here's, year. My, here's my bold take. I hope we don't. I don't think we're anywhere near readily enough equipped yet for a European tour. To deal with nope. what, Thursday, Sundays, and yeah. the, the Tuesdays in between. Um that's quite definitely. Yeah, I, I remember Burnley in the Europa League really struggling, like when they did get it. Bora, Bora for a little while there back in the day when they were at that Fulham. Those teams they got there quicker than they thought, and none of them, a lot of them, got relegated. Birmingham, remember when Birmingham got in there that one time and got relegated, and then they had to end up playing there, playing like braga in the championship <laughs> like it's just an absolute <laughs> it's mess. funny to think about it and the money would be interesting and the and the summer would oh god on the off chance it would happen because then, then you potentially keep players like basuma like you truly do because you go well, oh, I think European football, right i think, I think um, basuma goes nowhere then i think i think he's knocking on your door asking to sign a contract yeah but there's there there are seven teams better brian in this league right now let's face it yeah um they really are Worth noting to that stat, uh, only three other teams have lost less than us, and that is the top three. That's your Manchester City, Liverpool, and Chelsea. 
Okay. So it's, it's, it's that 50% draw rate that's really uh, keeping us in ninth with, with 10 out of the 20 being being draws. But yeah, it's it's good going. We'll see what happens in, in, the, in, in this time next week, though, but, uh, because I don't love playing Chelsea at home and then Leicester away, despite the where Chelsea are at at the moment with things. Um, the one thing I will say is Chelsea at home, as opposed to at Stamford Bridge, we've got a half-decent record we don't tend to get battered by them in the amex ever uh we've been beaten by them plenty but we don't get like just wipe the floor like we have done at stamford bridge most years where we've just never really been in it from minute one to 90 um we didn't have trust after that game either at stamford bridge when we played them a few weeks ago so i mean you get a bit of look well a lot of look and pull off an absolute robbery there and then we've got then we're in the third least amount of losses <laughs> with joint with Chelsea. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, I think you you walk away from these next two with a point, and I'd probably be very happy with that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I that's agree. I don't think that's being negative. I think that's a way at Leicester and at home to Chelsea. I don't care which one the point comes from. I would be happy with either. Uh, we don't tend to do well away at Leicester in the Premier League, and yeah. we tend to do okay-ish against Chelsea. So steal a point. Anything more than that, you know, if we get to this time next week and we're talking about two points or more, well, we've laughing. had a very, very no, good week. You want six points coming out of what for Burnley and Villa at least. And there's your key. There's your key. Because the next couple of games after that, post-AFCON, post-FA Cup fourth round, there's your, there's your list of games where you think we can genuinely look ahead to that March and you know, that March-February fixture list and think we can be at the end of March and be at a points record already if we play to the level we're capable of doing. Because it's only, 12, what, 11, 13 points away? It's not a million. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not even being too wild thinking that that's a possibility. It's something that we absolutely can achieve by the end of that month. Yeah. So. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, I think there doesn't need to be a meltdown if there's zero points from these next two games. I think the the key is these those games after that where we can pick up some serious points. And I, yeah, I, social media influences everything in in having a complete meltdown if we lose two 0 to Chelsea on Tuesday. But um, you know, let's expect one point from the next two and and do the damage at Burnley and and Watford. Think about the chaos that will ensue if we lose these games by any form of margin. And it's then suddenly the 24th of January. Can you imagine the clamouring, the sweating that people are going to be doing about signing a player? It's going to be unbearable. I might turn off the internet for a week. You want to go on the other side? Imagine if we scum back two wins. <laughs> you get you get like the right amount of COVID cases come up and just, you know. The just right like, amount of COVID cases. Like, like the right the sweet spot. Yeah, like just the right people at the right time getting hurt, scumbag goal. Like that Alzate one against Liverpool where he like bundled yeah. it in with his knee and stuff. Like, And you scumbag two wins back to back and we're sat on like, what, 34 points and we're like really in the Euro spots. Then you're going to see similar clamorings of like, we need to show we're serious. This is like the best chance we're ever going to have, blah, 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 blah. It's going to be a nightmare either way. The best we can hope for is one or two points because then it's just going to be status quo and we don't need to worry about it. Yeah. I uh, yeah, give me uh, give me give me a Kepper howler. That's I, I want that. I want the Chelsea keeper to do something absolutely <laughs> stupid. And he's prone for one at least, yeah. isn't he? Give it, um, yeah, we'll have it. We'll take it. 
Final question before we wrap today. Uh, FA Cup hopes. Mikey in the chat asking about the FA Cup hopes because that game is coming up as well. Spurs away. Sounds like we're going to pack out that away end. Uh, sounds like it's been a very popular one despite the kickoff time not being optimal for trains home as per effing usual. Uh, would you rather have a good cup run or bolster the lead position um, from Mikey in the chat knowing that we have Spurs away next anyway, which is going to be a tough game as is. I'm I'm happy for the league to be honest. I, I from my own personal opinion, I think Spurs away. I think we we continue playing a, I guess uh, a revolve squad and and give some people some time. And that would be perfect for Caicedo, for example. Get him get him some game time at the very least. Uh, I'm not too focused on the cup. I don't think we can go all the way. Uh, shall we say? I think we'd rather focus on the league. Spurs' last two games uh, drew 1-0 with Southampton, beat Watford 1-0. Uh, they're not an impressive team. I know they beat Palace pretty soundly, uh, but I think that the Conte sheen has worn off and he's realised that he went to Spurs and they're cursed. Um, and and maybe things aren't what he necessarily hoped. Uh, you know, why, why not? why not both? Um, I think the game falls in an interesting time period where the, I think the last league game of January is on the 23rd for us. You don't play Spurs until the 5th and then you don't have your game against Watford until a week later. Um, full strength squad comes out, give it a go, see what happens. I, I think if we win that, this is the thing, right? If you win that game against Spurs, then you go everything into the FA Cup, <laughs> right? That, that's what the switch is just what's going to happen. So let's see. And they've got some tough games coming up before the FA Cup too. They've got oh, I, funnily enough, they've got Leicester and Chelsea back to back like us. Yeah. Uh, we're just revolving them around, so their games are literally the exact same amount of difficulty as we have. Um, so those games are not going to be easy for them. They are going to have to rotate. Uh, they do have to, you know, worry about different people being gone for Afcon and different things like that. I know that Son is like a bit on and off with COVID. I think he had like quite a bad bout of it. Um, so yeah, like you said, like Spurs are very inconsistent still under Conte. They were inconsistent under Nuno and they've not really got any better barring that new manager bounce. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, for me, I just worry that we, like, even if we win, we'll end up getting like Liverpool in the next round. And then like, it's just a murder. Um, I tend to like those early rounds with crap teams because we like. I really like to see what those fringe players can do at that level. And you're not going to see as many of those. You're not probably going to see Evan Ferguson get a start against Spurs. Um, you'll probably be running with your Welbeck's and stuff. And like we know what Welbeck's about. I I, I enjoy seeing um, some of those lesser players that are young or on the fringes. Um, so it's whatever for me. Yeah. All right. Well, that's about it. Uh, hour and 14 minutes today. Don't that's a long one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've got a midweek game against Chelsea. Um, not sure how we're going to schedule it, but we'll talk about it. Um, and then the big one uh, against Leicester at the weekend, um, which should be an interesting one. And onto the cup after that. So uh, wherever you are, stay safe. Um, and we'll speak to you again next time. Thanks awesome. for listening. Thanks for the people in the yeah. chat. Appreciate it. Yeah, yes, thank always you. love the people in the chat, genuinely. It uh, it helps push the pod along, so please do keep attending. Yeah, I love it. All right, Cheers thank all. you.